0: hi <laughs> oh my gosh I love you oh it's been 18 years yeah can you believe that I'm like old lady now 18 years yeah so I met Taka and Natalie back in Rockford Illinois you guys have heard them talk about Rockford right I'm sure you guys have Brooklyn was a baby so how old is Brooklyn now is she 18 she's gonna be 18 in a month so there you go it's been like over 17 years you guys good morning how's everybody doing you guys good I hope you talk back to me a little bit today. I heard you guys were a little shy, you know? And you know what, it's so funny, because in worship, I could feel like you guys wanted to just like go for it. You guys were like, I'm gonna sing my heart out. Some of you were like ready to give it. And I could tell like a little shyness was happening there. So I'm hoping at the end of service, you guys will just like let loose and let God, because he's got something for you today. I'm really excited for what he has for you. So if you talk back to me, I'm gonna love that. Natalie just shared, I um, was a kid's pastor. I've been working with children for now for 18 years. I love them, I believe in them, I think God has such a future for them. And for me, it's really funny, my husband and I made this joke last night, he was like, you know, um, are you gonna have anybody volunteer and help you out? Are you gonna like have them come up and do a skit or you know, maybe, maybe have them read the slides or whatever, right? Because with kids, man, I have them do everything. They come up and they tell the story. But you know, I told them, I was like, no, I'll keep it super profesh, I will not make them come on stage. I'm not going to make you act out a skit. I'm not going to. I fought myself on bringing props, you guys. I mean, I almost did. I was like, oh, I'm going to bring some props. And then I was like, no, I'm not going to bring some props. We'll, we'll keep it super professional. So, um, anyway, my name is Emily Tallickson. Um, my husband and my sister are here. My son Oliver is in the nursery today. He's seven months old. And um, you guys, I'm such a fan of Voice Church. You guys, it's awesome to see what God has done. Um, I tell people all the time about you guys. I tell them, how God has led this church through a pandemic and brought you guys to the other side and to see how beautiful this place is, to see what God is doing here is really a treasure. You guys have something amazing here. So don't take it for granted. When Natalie says get plugged in, do it. Don't, don't wait, don't sit back. Come in and get connected. Know these people, these people are good people and they're gonna care for you in your spiritual walks. So uh, we're going through this series called Greatest Hits. I love this series for two reasons. One, I love it because the greatest hits of the Bible are usually the stories you probably heard growing up in Sunday school, right? In kids' church, right? And I'm a kids' pastor by heart, so for me, the big stories of the Bible are super fun. And really, they're the building blocks of our faith, and that's why I love it. Another reason why I love the greatest hits, I love looking back at these big stories in the Bible, is because it reminds me, God is not done yet. He has done so much He has done amazing things. The word is full of it, but he is not done. He's got more to do, and he's got more to do in you. And I'm really excited to share today what we're going to talk about with that. The title of my sermon is, God, Why Are You Holding Out on Me? God, why are you holding out on me? Uh, A few weeks ago, Pastor Taka talked a little bit about the overarching view of the Bible, and he went into some stories, and he talked about some things. And I want to dive into the story from the very beginning of the Bible, And this story can be really tempting for you to just kind of tune out. A lot of people know about creation. You know about Adam and Eve. You're like, Emily, I've heard this story like five million times. You don't need to talk to me about Adam and Eve again. But I think God is going to have a much-needed conversation with us, and I'm praying that you'll enter in that with me. So in Genesis, at the very beginning, it literally says, in the beginning, God created the world. He created people. He created animals. He created plants. He created all of it, right? And here we enter the story where God told them, the people, not to eat off a certain tree. Now you get bonus points. I have to do this. Bonus points if you know what that tree was called. Does anybody know what that tree was called? Anybody? Tree of knowledge of good and evil. Very good, you guys. Pat yourselves on the back. You guys are awesome. Yes, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Lord said, you can have everything, but don't eat off this tree, right? And um. He tells them not to do that, and let's pick up in Genesis 3. So you can take out your Bibles if you have it. If you don't, they'll be up on the screen, that's cool, or your phones, have Bibles too. Let me read Genesis 3, 1 through 8 to you. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the tree which is in the midst of, but not of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God has said you shall not eat it nor shall you touch it lest you die then the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die for God knows that in that day you will eat of it and your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, made themselves coverings, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So this is kind of, um, this story is something we've obviously heard before, but There's a piece of the story I want you guys to take from when the uh, enemy approaches Eve, and we're going to take a couple things from that. But I like to think of this story, and I always think about diets, right? Eve saw that it was good-looking, right, the food. She wanted to eat it. Have you guys ever been on a diet, and you were trying so hard not to eat? Like, maybe you decided, I'm not going to eat treats, right? I'm going to decide to not have sugar. So no treats for me. Nobody give me treats. And then you go to a party. And guess what? At the party, they have cake, they have ice cream, there's a birthday party for friends maybe, and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to have a piece of cake because I'm going to miss out on the party if I don't have cake, guys. I'm going to miss out on the fun of the situation if I don't partake in all the yumminess, right? So you go ahead, you have a piece of cake, and then there's ice cream, well, I'm going to have some ice cream too, and then you see all the other treats at the party, and you decide to rationalize and say, I'm just going to enjoy myself and have a good time and go have everything. Any of you guys ever been on a diet and decided to go against your diet because you saw something yummy? yeah, yeah, okay, some of you are lying, but that's okay, yeah, the rest of you, yes, Derek in the back, I saw you, he's like, yes, me, all the time, all the time, right, yeah, this kind of reminds me of that situation, okay, so the serpent's questioning what God really said to Eve, she knows what he said, right, she does it anyway, she goes against it, she goes against what she committed to, here's some things we can learn from Eve, Eve knew she heard God right, but the enemy shifted the narrative, The enemy came in and he kind of twisted a little bit of what was being told to her, what she was supposed to do. She knew she heard God right, she knew it. But he, you know what, he didn't even have to have her commit this huge thing. It's not like he made her do this big, huge sin, right? He just kind of shifted things a little bit for her and told her some things and it made her think. It made her go, hmm, maybe I need to rethink this. Even though she knew she heard God right, Here's another, or this is what I like in the Enduring Word commentary. It says this A complete lie is rarely effective in temptation. If Satan doesn't couple it with some truth, there is little power in his temptation. He likes to do that. He takes the truth and just shifts it just a tiny bit, just so that you're willing to rationalize, you're willing to go against what the Lord has called you to do. Here's another thing the enemy appealed to her pride. Think about you for a second. I mean, Was it really so terrible when she started thinking about why she wanted to go and eat that fruit? I mean, it says it was desirable to make one wise. And she's like, well, of course I want to be wise. Of course I want to be like God. The enemy's saying I'm going to be like God, right? I want to be like him. I mean, was it really so bad that she's like, that's what I want? She had this bubble up inside of her. You know, it's interesting, actually, when I was looking this up, the enemy's tactics haven't really changed, right? Over time, he kind of does the same thing over and over, and I didn't even realize it until I looked into it, but when Jesus was in the desert in Matthew 4, I don't know if you guys saw that, um, ever, ever noticed this, but Jesus was tempted in the same threefold way. He was tempted by an appeal to the physical appetites, an appeal to covetous and emotional desires, and an appeal to pride. The enemy likes to tempt with those things, Oh, man, this is the one that's always really hard when I pull this one out because it's, it's not really said, but it's something that I've seen when I look at it. Eve believed, ultimately, at the crux of this whole story, is she believed God was holding out on her. God was keeping something from her. She wanted to be wise. The enemy was telling her, if you do this, you'll be like God. At the core of this story is a thought in her heart that ruminated Festered, got in there, and made her feel like God is holding out on me. He is holding and keeping something from me. I want you to think about creation just for a second. Think about how beautiful it must have been. I want you to think about the most beautiful park you've ever been to. Like, gorgeous. It's like you go there and you're like, it's serene. You're like, I'm in my happy place. Nobody bother me. This place is beautiful. I'm here, maybe you're listening to some worship music, you're strutting along and you're like, oh, this is like glory all around me, it's gorgeous, I love it, God created the Garden of Eden. Don't you think it was probably even more beautiful than we could have ever imagined? He made everything perfect there, just perfect. And he said, you can have everything but this one tree. So Eve could look around and she could see that she can have whatever she wanted but this one tree. The beauty around her, her eyes were taken off of that for a minute when she looked and focused on that one thing that she couldn't have. The one thing she couldn't understand, she wanted it and she tried to go for it. Man, she thought God was holding out on her. He was keeping something from her, so I'm gonna go get that because I need to have that. Thinking God was holding out on her was the thought that cost her. Acting on that thought is something that cost others. Thinking God held out on her, sure it wouldn't have been a big deal, right? But guess what? She took that apple or fruit or whatever it was and she handed it off to Adam and it cost the rest of us. They ended up getting kicked out of the garden we ended up having to go through all this stuff to get back to God, to get close to him again. And over time, the Bible shows story after story, sacrifice after sacrifice needing to be made so that we can get close to God and ultimately Jesus had to come pay the price so that we could be close with him again. So Jesus turned the situation around. But that one decision, that one decision, that one action cost everyone. So there's been a handful of times in my life where you got to know this, when I, when I preach for me, I need, to be, I need to be vulnerable. I am going through things in my life, I can tell you right now, where I have felt like God is holding out on me, and I have ways that God has helped me to overcome that, that I want to share that with you today. But I want to share what the pain is. What are some of the things that I've gone through in my life where I have thought God has held out on me? In third grade, I walked into my parents' room. I went and I sat at their table. It was like a little table in their room. They had like a little couch. Here. It was like a nice little big room they had. And my mom had some folders sitting out. And all of a sudden I saw my name on one of the folders sitting there. And I was like, huh, this is interesting. It said my first name, but it didn't say my last name. It said a different last name. And I was like, why does it say a different last name? This is so weird, right? So I grabbed this folder and I realized reading through the folder, because I'm a nosy kid, right? My mom's probably like super mad at me. Like, what is your problem? Why are you reading through all the things you shouldn't be reading through, right? You parents know you've all had third graders or some of you know like, man, they get nosy. I was super nosy and I was like, I gotta know, what's in that folder? I opened the folder and I realized that I was adopted. What a way to find out you're adopted, right? I opened this folder and I'm like, oh my gosh, my parents are not really my parents. This is crazy. God, what? And I remember going to school and talking to other kids and I literally knew nobody who was adopted around me, or at least kids that may not have known they were adopted at the time. I didn't know anyone who was adopted. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it, it began this thought, this thought in my mind that God kept something from me, that God took my original family away from me and brought me into this other family. And God was holding out on me. Why did all these other kids get to have moms and dads who were their moms and dads, but I was given to someone else? That was a thought that happened in my life where I held on to that and I thought, man, God, you're holding out on me. You didn't give me a family you didn't give me a place to belong. And that turned into something over time where I'd go place to place, and I would think maybe I don't really belong here. It was like almost like this imposter syndrome, like I don't think I really belong where I'm at. Another thing happened uh, later in life, ministry school. Um, I went through, talk, or, um, <laughs> Natalie shared uh, just a minute ago that I um, went through ministry school in Rockford, Illinois. I went through three years of that program, and um, we got to be credentialed in the Assemblies of God at the end of it and worked my tail off, like worked so hard, Uh, went through all of my credentialing. Uh, At the time, the director pulls a bunch of us in, and when I say a bunch, I actually only mean like a very small handful of people out of the entire class. He pulls us in and he says, "Um, this year, you know what? Uh, The Assemblies of God is deciding to crack down on who they're credentialing, and we don't think you guys in this room are actually qualified to be credentialed. So we're gonna pull your credentials from you and you're gonna have to find another way to get credentialed after this. And I did, I had to find another way later on in life. But that was like really hard because I watched other friends of mine cross what we called that time, the finish line. They crossed it and they would call them, you know, Reverend so-and-so, Reverend so-and-so, Reverend so-and-so, and then it gets to me and it's like Emily Snow, that was my name at the time, Emily Snow, and I'm like sheepishly walking across stage like, hey, guys, I'm the one that wasn't qualified here to get uh, my title as being a pastor. Something's wrong with me, right? God, why are you holding out on, on me? Why did you keep that from me? And it took me another 10 years, you guys, before I ever said, okay, God, I'm going back for it. 10 years, because that scarred me so much at that time. Here's another reason, another way that I felt like God was holding on on me. When I was, uh, any single people in the house? Any single people? Yes, love it anybody willing to admit they're single? You know, I mean, it's fine. When I was single, I was young, uh, you know, in my 20s. Um, I went through a, a, lo- a long time before I ever dated, you guys. I mean, I was 27. I mean, if you all are older than 27, you haven't dated, I'm so sorry. I don't judge you. Not for one second. I do not judge you, okay? If you're older, that's cool. I was 27 before my Joe entered my life. 27, when my first and only guy that I dated, okay? First and only. 27. So during my 20s, just imagine, I had so many friends, guy friends, girlfriends. They got married, and I swear I was the girl from 27 Dresses. If you guys remember that movie with Katherine Heigl, I was that girl. Like, I I had so many dresses. I was in so many weddings. I mean, Natalie knows we knew a lot of people that got married during that season, and I watched person after person after person get married, and I remember just every single time going oh man i'm still single and i would like you know, i was like that that person that revolved friend groups because the married people got married and they wanted to do married things and then i was the single person that had to go find more single people and then they got married and i was the single person that find more single people and they got married and it was like okay this is like really funny why am i the single person here it took till i was 27 for god to fulfill that promise in my life education and career so this one this was a really tough one for me. I went and I pursued my associate's degree after ministry school, working with childcare and development. I knew I was called with kids. It's just, it just an anointing, it's a gifting I have. And I went to school. When I wanted to transfer and go to university, I found out not even half my credits would transfer. Not even half, you guys. And I spent three years doing six classes every semester. I mean six classes, if you guys have ever taken six classes at one time, it's a beast. I was working a full-time job, six classes. I was running a small group at my church. I was babysitting on Saturdays. I was helping run children's ministry on Sundays. It was an insane season of my life. And I watched, though, all of my friends who had gone through ministry school with receive ministry position after ministry position after ministry position and wondering what God was doing. Why are you holding out on me? Like, why am I the one that is literally going the longest way around that anyone could possibly go in life, right? It literally felt like that. Man, it felt like God was just holding out on me. It would have been 10 years after I ever walked into a ministry position. Now, children, this is a really hard topic. So when my husband Joe and I got married, um, we tried to have a kid for a lot of years before we had a baby, a long time. And some of you in this room have dealt with infertility. Some of you are dealing with infertility right now. When I wanted to have kids um, in 2018, my husband and I got pregnant, which I believed would have been my first son. And uh, I miscarried him at 10 weeks. And I felt that God had shown me that it was a son. And I named him Dominic. And Dominic would have been four years this coming weekend, four years old this coming weekend. I knew God had called me to be a mother, but I was literally going the long way around and going, God, why are you holding out on me? Why am I the one that loses a baby that tries for so long and then loses my baby? At that time, I knew four fr- there There's four of us who were pregnant at the same time. And if you've ever heard the, the miscarriage statistic, one in four women will have a miscarriage. Have you guys ever heard that? I was the one in four. Everybody else had babies, and I was the one that actually lost my baby. So over time, I felt like God was holding on to me. Like, man, you're just not letting me have it. Like, everybody else gets to have a kid and not me. Here's what I wanna take from the story, and I'm gonna show you how God fulfilled the promises. The first thing, trust what God revealed to you in the light. Trust what he revealed to you in the light. Wasn't there a time for you, a time maybe, where you had so much hope, you were filled with so much excitement, and maybe God showed you something, and if you're not a Christian, you know what, maybe you just still have this hope. There's this hope that just kinda bubbles up in you that's been there, but over time, life happens and things happen, and it dwindles, and it fades, and it gets robbed, and things get taken, and you're like, man, I just don't know if God really really wants that for me. Wasn't there a time, though, that you were really excited that it was there, this hope was there, and it was bubbling up in you? Don't let the narrative change now in the dark from what God's truth was promised to you then in the light. Don't let it change. Just because the circumstances are the way they are It doesn't mean God has changed he has not changed he has what's best for you in mind I knew God had spoken that I was supposed to work with kids I knew that I knew I was supposed to be in kids ministry I Natalie said I went to school I went to school I I got you guys I got like 20 degrees I don't know it was crazy I was like studying forever I swear I was in school for like 10 years of my life it was nuts Um, not really but it was really it was really dramatic like that um, I got. I mean, I got my special needs endorsement. I got an endorsement in, in helping kids with uh, English language learning. I mean, I just went to school forever because I was like, I need to study everything I need, can about kids, and someday the Lord is going to call me into a position. I just kept holding on to that. And in 2017, I walked into my first ministry position just because Taka and Natalie saw something in me and they said, "We see gold in you." We want you to come out want you to be a kids pastor at the church they were at at the time. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. I loved it, I had so much fun. But it took so long, it took so long of me just tilling the ground and continuing to do what God asked me to do and being faithful over and over again before God finally opened that door for me. Here's another one, a God-given desire taken into our own hands can cost us. Thinking that God is holding out on you is the thought that costs you The action or inaction after that thought is what costs others. It's not just about you. Your decision to withhold your trust from God holds others back, too. You know, I knew when I was single that God had an amazing man for me. I knew he he did, and I held on to that. So I was like, if I'm going to be single, I'm going to be the best single person ever. Okay, that means I'm going to serve like crazy. I'm going to love God. I'm going to go to the sanctuary and pray every night. I'm going to be like the best girl I could be, the best Christian, and I'm going to just go at it, right, with God. I'm going to read every book on what it means to be single, I kiss dating goodbye, all that stuff, right? I mean, I did all that, okay? I mean, it's funny because he actually denounces that book now, but uh, at the time, I mean, it was really impactful for me. And I was like, I'm going to kiss dating goodbye, and I'm just going to give it to God, okay? Went into it. It took years before my Joe came into my life. There was one day, nine years ago this month, I walked into our friend Joe's house, and his best friend Joe, which is my Joe that's here today, was sitting there, and the rest was history, man. We knew. We just, we got to know each other for about four or five months. We started dating, and here we are nine years later. God's promise fulfilled in a time where I was single, and it was rough, but I will tell you that singlehood time cost me a lot. It cost me friendships. I was jealous that my girlfriends were getting married, and they just didn't want to hang out with me no more. They want to hang out with their husbands. I'm like, come on, come hang out with me. You ever feel like that when you're single, right? I was jealous that my guy friends all of a sudden had to put up like boundaries because they're like, hey, we're close, we're too close. You know, this isn't gonna work. I can't do this, I'm married now. We gotta be like a little bit less close, right? I had a friendship that I even had to end with a guy that I thought was maybe a guy for me, but he wasn't. I took it into my own hands thinking that he was what God had for me and he wasn't the one. And I had to end that friendship. It can cost us, it can cost others. Here's another one. If you believe God is holding out on you, you'll rob yourself of the fulfillment of his promises in you. We need to reframe the question, why is this happening to me? To what could God be doing? When we do that, we take the pressure off our need to earn, and we put the pressure back on God's will to fulfill. Like, we need to reframe the question. We gotta say, like, we can't just keep going, why is this happening to me? Woe is me. Look at my life. This is so awful. We need to look at it and go, what is God doing? He is doing something. Man, let me tell you about my baby, okay? My baby Oliver is really cute. He's, He's so fun. He's seven months old. You guys, it's been like the best experience of my life. He's so fun. I knew I was supposed to be a mom. The year that my baby died, our first baby, Dominic, who would have been four years old this weekend, um, that year was a really tough year. We lost our cat right after, who we loved. His name was Red. He was an orange cat, and he was Red, and we loved him so much. He died right after. Soon after that, uh, my mom found a lump in her throat in 2019. She found a lump in the end of January, and 14 weeks later, she died. She had cancer. And this is her second cancer that she had. She had cancer years earlier, overcame that cancer, and then 10 years later, the cancer came back. (sighs) During that time, it was so crazy, you guys. Joe and I, on May 3rd, 2019, we flew home. I saw my mom for the last time. She talked to me for the last time. She went to hospice care, and she died on May 7th. We left on May 3rd, a family of two. We went back to here Orange County. So that was in upstate New York. My family's from New York. Uh, We went, came back here to Orange County as a family of three. So we actually started taking care of my Down syndrome sister, who's here with me today. Her name is Cassie. And we started taking care of her. So we took over care. So we went as a family of two, came back as a family of three. This was the same month, if you remember me saying I should have had my baby four years ago this weekend, or he would have been four years old, right? The same month that my mom died, I was supposed to have my baby, I also became a caretaker for my sister. So we flew back on Mother's Day, I'll never forget this, Mother's Day, 2019. I was mourning the loss of my own mother, I was mourning the loss of my own baby, and I was becoming a mother to my sister all of a sudden. Talk about a loaded time. And I realized in that season, if I would have come to term and I would have had my baby, I would have never seen my mom for the last time. I wouldn't have seen her. It would have been the same couple weeks of time. And I would have been a mother of a new baby and a mother to my sister who has Down syndrome. I mean, talk about God seeing something I didn't. And I'm not saying God took my baby and it was this whole thing, right? People have these these, these weird things they say as Christians, okay? I'm not trying to be like that, okay? I'm just saying God saw something that I did not see in the future, If you believe God is holding out on you, you'll rob yourself of the fulfillment of his promises in you. I had to hold tight to him, hold tight to his promises. And I wanna show you the promises fulfilled. So you pop up that first picture for me. This is my little family, aren't they cute? That's our little fam. Let's go with the next photo. This is our Cassie right here, isn't she adorable? Disneyland is her favorite place in the whole wide world. I take her to Disneyland all the time. Uh, Next one, that's my baby Oliver and my husband, yes. And then little Oliver in the last picture here, this joy right there, that is joy embodied in a, in a baby. He is literally joy, joy in a baby. He will let you hold him. He like loves people. Um, God's promises. I mean, he doesn't let go guys. He loves us. When we say trust God, it's not just some cute phrase that we say, right? Like literally we don't just trust in God. We literally like lean on him. Everything that we do is about him. Like I have to literally crawl up into God's arms sometimes and say, I don't understand. I want to eat off that tree, God. I want to go and I want to grab that tree because I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand. I want more, right? But make my desire for you to be more than my desire for what it is that you have for me. May that be more in me. Man, we changed. We once had a passion. We once maybe felt hope. Hope is hard. No one talks about the dark side of hope, that hope is really tough because hope is something you have to hold onto. You have to grab onto. You have to cling to. Don't let the enemy shift the narrative. God is not done with you yet. God isn't holding out on you. Don't let your pride cost you and everyone around you. And don't rob God of the opportunity to fulfill his purposes. Don't do it. So I, I want the worship team to come up and I just want to, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different than you normally do on this service. But worship team's going to come up and they're just going to play a little bit under me. And um, man, trust God. <laughs> That's really hard. Just trust God. I hate when people just say that. They just throw it at you and you're like, oh, yeah, sure. Just trust God. Like I just had a miscarriage and you're just saying trust God. Like, oh, I just went and transferred like, and none of my credits are transferring from school to school, but trust God, right? And, oh, yeah, I'm adopted, but trust God, right? And, like, all these things. You're like, yeah, it's so easy to just say that. But I'm asking you to cling to God. Like, I'm asking you to, like, man, God, I need you in this. I don't want to sit here and think for a second that you're holding out on me. I don't want to live a life that thinks that you have something for someone else but not for me. What God might be keeping from you might be protecting you, What he might be holding off from you might actually be the thing that saves your life. You don't know that. He might be doing that. It's because you're not supposed to understand it all. I know we think we should, but we don't. We're not supposed to. Here's a couple statements. This is what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to stand up for a minute. Everybody stand on up. Worship team is going to start playing in a moment. And we're going to have a little time of prayer because here's what happens. We say, oh, I'll pray. I'll have someone pray for me later. I'll go home and I'll pray about it. It's cool. I don't need to pray about it here, right? I'm just gonna peace out and go and go to lunch, okay? Your lunch can wait five minutes, all right? I'm gonna ask you to wait for, to go to Olive Garden for five minutes, okay? I'm just kidding, you guys don't love Olive Garden. I mean, my favorite is like pho, so, you know, I mean, if you wanna go some pho, like, you know, or boba, right? You wanna go some boba? Like, if you guys ever wanna get boba, I love boba, so come come with me, I would love to. Um, Yeah, I, I should've grown up in Orange County. I should've, like, 100%. I was in the wrong place. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so let's get back to it, okay? five minutes. I'm asking you to give me five minutes. That's it. Okay. I'm having the prayer team come up and I know it's easy to just kind of all the prayer teams there. That's cool. You know, like they're there. I'm just going to sit here and just pray by myself. But if you have the thought, if there is any piece of you that thinks any three of these things I'm going to show you that I wanna ask you to go get prayer today. I really wanna ask you to do it or grab someone that's next to you and make them pray for you where you're at. Like, let's make this a place of prayer because here's the problem with thinking God's holding out on you. You're gonna cost yourself and everybody else around you. At some point, it's gonna cost everyone because God is not holding out on you. He loves you. The word of God says this, "'You are my hope, O Lord. "'You are the trust from my youth.'" It says that in Psalm 71. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Psalm eighty four eleven. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Man. Think about these statements right here. If I'm being honest, there is a part of me that feels God is holding out on me. That could be anything. He's holding out on me. I've asked him for stuff. Nothing's happening. I'm single. I've asked him for that mate, and nothing's happening. I'm just still single. Over here, just rotting away as a single person, old and single, right? Man, I want kids, and I'm struggling with infertility, and God's not doing anything about it over time it could be anything whatever it is it doesn't have to be those big things it could be something that seems small to you but is big in hindsight if I'm being honest there's a part of me that feels God is holding out on me another one my pride or desire and expectation for more is costing not only myself but others around me some of you need to be honest is what you want costing other people is what you want just like costing yourself but everyone around you because you can't stop perseverating on it And it's all you think about. And you need to come back to thinking about who God is and to think about how he loves you and to want him not just for his hand, but for his face. To want and seek God for his face, but not just his hand. You need to go back to him again and say, I just want to want you again, not just what you can do for me. Let me want you again, because this whole thing is robbing other people around me. Lastly, I need to come back to that unhidden garden moment of walking with God. When you want to know how you overcome is God holding out on me you overcome it by going back to the garden going back to the moment when you walked with God every time you have that thought God is holding out on me guess what you leave the enemy and you go walk with God wherever that's at you go back to that garden and you say I'm walking with you I'm trusting you and you say it when you don't feel it you say it when you don't believe it I trust you God Like, I don't know if I believe you sometimes, but guess what, I trust you. I want that tree, I wanna know, right? Can't you just share it with me? He might say no. This is my prayer for you, that you'll thank God for the no's. (laughs) Do you thank God when he says no? Do you thank God when he protects you from something? Are you willing to do that? Pray until you can thank God for the no and hope again for the yes. Do it. Just keep doing it. Keep coming back to him. We need to reframe the questions. I said this earlier. Why is this happening to me? And God, why are you holding out on me? To what could God be doing? And what could God be protecting me from? When we do this, we take the pressure off our need to earn and we put the pressure back on God's will to fulfill. You cannot earn what God has for you. You can't. You can try, but you can't. That's the great thing about following Jesus. So I'm going to ask you, if you need prayer, I'm going to be over there too. Come pray. Don't be shy. Don't care what people think. Guess what? The kingdom of God is at stake. If you always care that people are watching you and you always care that people are judging you, You're not going to be able to overcome what the Lord has for you and be able to walk in it, just walk in it, just do it. Even if you're too shy to come up, grab a friend, I guess, you know, but don't leave this place until you take that thought and you bring it back to the garden and you say, God, I need you. Don't, just don't leave and do that. Don't take that with you because he's got too much for you. If you sit in that, you're going to rob him of fulfilling his promises in you. And I deeply don't want you to do that. I do not want you to leave thinking that God is holding out on you because he's not. He loves you.